You are now listening to Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Fregera. It's a podcast designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity, how we can rise above it, claim our divine inheritance, and return the soul power to the people. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast. My name is Tessie Vergara, Soul Powered Executive Coach, and you can find more about me and the work I do at soulpoweredleaders.com. And as you know, this podcast is really designed to bring awareness on intended or unintended crimes against humanity. And the purpose is to create awareness. What is dumbing down human consciousness? Why is it such a struggle to be human? Why are we kept in the struggle and the hard work? Uh, When do we graduate from that? When, when, When can we really live in full joy and full expression of our free self, right? And the purpose of the show is to create insights and awareness that, huh, we can return the soul power to the people and reclaim our wholeness, reclaim our soul, reclaim our divinity. And our topic today is healing the racial divide. How? How do we heal the big tension going on right now, the big division? I invited uh, author, actor, historian, a uh, good-looking fellow right here in front of me. His name is Sylvester Boyd, and he is a native of Chicago, Illinois, and he's written a book. And I thought it was the subject is about money, but it's not. And I'm going to leave him to tell us about the passion and the message behind the book. Welcome to Soul Power to the People podcast, Sylvester Boyd. Thank you for having me. Share a little bit more about yourself and, and your book. Well, a little bit about me and my background is uh, I'm uh, steeped in history. I'm a historian. I have a degree in history and geography, studied cultures and, and racial situations uh, ever since college. My background is very diverse. I was fortunate enough to live in all types of situations in the United States. I've lived in an all-Black, all-African-American neighborhood. I've lived in an Asian neighborhood, 22nd and State, which is Chinatown. And I've also lived in an all-white, my high school is only a 5% minority. So that gave me a, a real different look, a look that most people won't ever get to, to really uh, live amongst uh, other cultures. I've nice. also been blessed enough to travel the world. I've been from Denmark to Honolulu and Venezuela and I'm not going to Canada, you name it. Most of the islands in the Caribbean. I just got back from Cuba before the pandemic. I have the uh, have had the experience of being able to travel and look at different cultures, and I look at them from a different perspective than the average person, because basically uh, I've studied, you know, the, the cultures before I get there. So it's a little bit more than just a normal tourist. I'm, I'm more of a say the architecture of a place, or what the people eat, or how do they connect with the, their neighbor uh, that's nearby? How do they connect with the world? So I have an insight 
I also worked for American Airlines. I was the first African American, one of the first African American crew chiefs at O'Hare, one of the world's busiest airports back in the 1970s. Uh, I've met some of the, the biggest stars uh, on planet Earth, and uh, I've been a background actor for the last 10 years. Worked with people like Forrest Whitaker and Sir uh, Roger P. Hinton and uh, Vince Vaughn and Nona Ryder, uh, all big Hollywood stars. Uh, that's a little bit about my background. I ran a business for 20 years. I've done quite a, and I've also taught school along life's path. That's pretty amazing. Pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, Sylvester, I have two questions for you. And I'm saying them at the same time so I don't forget. <laughs> One is why did you say yes to coming on to the show? And two, what do you have to believe about yourself to have accomplished so much to have gone through the experiences that you've chosen for yourself that has you breaking through barriers and really showing up as Sylvester Boyd that we see now? Well, a lot of it, uh, I think I owe to my parents and my family. I was raised in a, uh, a family that believed deeply in education. And uh, I was always taught that education was the key to the door. And if you don't have the key, you can't get in. So that's sort of the motto. I had the people behind me that pushed education as tantamount to success. So that's one of the reasons that uh, I, I'm the person that I am today. The other thing is uh, it's taught me to have confidence in me. Um, if I don't believe in me, who will? That's the way I was raised. If you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? So that pushed me forward in life. I was also taught don't let anyone hold you back from your dreams and your ambitions, your goals. Uh, there's no reason that, don't don't listen to what other people use as excuses. Excuses are a dime a dozen. You don't tell me, my mother used to always tell me what you're gonna do, but if you do it, I'll see it and I'll know it. And the world will see it and know it. So I came from that kind of background. And uh, I have a, a nephew who is a PhD in biochemistry. I have another nephew that speaks uh, four languages, including Farsi. I have a, a, a brother who's a principal, just retired as a principal of elementary school, and a sister who's also been a principal of elementary school. So you can see that education was one of our big, uh, big things, and it, it paid off. And I owe it all to my parents who are deceased at the, at the present time. You can do, I was always taught, if you can conceive it, you can achieve it. And those are, that's the way I came forward to the world. I always told that. The world don't owe me anything. You have to work to get where you want to go. Wow. Lots of insights there. We're done. We're done with the show. <laughs> I'm teasing. And so why did you agree to come on Soul Power to the People podcast? Because if I got knowledge, I'm in my 70s. I'm 77. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know. You don't look I, it. Yeah, most people say that. But the... Uh, good living, I suppose. Most people don't think of themselves as being able to do anything. I have a lot of self-confidence. I have confidence in myself and my ability. And what I don't know, there's books and there's computers and there's everything that can teach me anything I want to know in the world. People today, there's no excuse for not being a well-informed, well-educated person. When I was younger, we didn't have, I was born before television, believe it or not. I was born, uh, they had a big radio. I was born to uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt for the president when I was born. Born in the middle of World War II, 1943. So I, I've lived a lot of the history that I talk about. I can compare yesterday with today. 
Mm. And uh, the comparison was quite stark in many ways. Then, you know, the history tells me where I came from. You know, I, I know what my people have accomplished. I know that uh, I took a course uh, once in time, it's called History's Omission, the thing that people don't know. Uh, we just had a recent television series with, uh, uh, about a town in Oklahoma that was burned down because of racial jealousy. You know, that caused it. I don't know if you're familiar, it just had a series on TV. You don't get to where that came from, the model of racial hatred and jealousy. Uh, it takes a lot to get there. Uh, this country has always, I always said, there's no time that the flag flew over America that it has been just to all of its citizens. There's not one day. And you come from that standpoint, you understand why you are, the country's going through what it's going now. We started with slavery, people coming across the ocean, being exploited for their labor. The one reason that we have African-Americans in today's situation is because of greed way back when. Labor is, is what was exploited. That's why we, were, we came from Africa to America. And then we uh, basically had a, a system of slavery. From slavery, it went to Jim Crow. And that still was just as, almost a, as abominable. So you have to understand the history of it to know where you are today. There's no group that America has not exploited. The Asians basically were put in internment camp during the middle of World War II. For simply the fact that they were Asian. They didn't put the Germans in, the, in an internment camp. They put Asian people in the internment camp, the Japanese. We are both, we are fighting war on two fronts. So why not the Germans as well in an internment camp? You know, these are the kind of atrocities that we have to come to grips with. I always said America will be just the day that white America looks in the mirror sees the pain that it has inflicted on others and come to grips with it and then we atone for it. Now, that may be a day I'll never see, but that is what has to be done. Some of the things we, we just leave history out of, of other people. Every time you put a potato chip in your mouth, you can look it up. A black man is in a potato chip. How many of us eat potato chips? Jazz. Black people created jazz. That's the American uh, music. You, you go through uh, the heavyweight champion of the world. We have contributed way more than we have been paid back for. Or we have been denied the due process of being a part of a country that says that it, 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 all men are created. But you can't have slaves on one end and on the end and say all men are created. It's a high hypocrisy. So do we have a democracy or do we have a bunch of hypocrisy? Mm -hmm. And uh, we're coming to grips with that right now. Uh, the, the thing in um, November 6th was part of what we had come to grips with. We've had, we, saw, we fought a civil war over the color and the, and the exploitation, and that was what the civil war was about, north against the south. Now we've got that same division. It never healed, and now we got the same division. It hasn't changed that much. It's been covered over, glossed over, and we have to face it at this point in time in history. We will face it. Uh, you know, it goes not only with uh, people, it goes to the environment. Um, if you damage the environment, then the environment damage will come back to haunt you. The same thing with race, for example. If a poor person that makes nothing or a homeless person sits on a bus and they have disease-carrying bacteria, they get off the bus and it goes up a 
two stop and it's in the rich district and the people in the business suits going toward the, the pretty home, they're getting to sit on that same seat. Now you've got that same journey to travel just because you didn't do toward that person in the first place the right thing. So there's always karma that comes back. Um, I'm afraid we'll have some rough days uh, as far as race goes in America because America has to come to the grips with what it is. It is not a, it has not been the land of the free and equal opportunity for all. It has been the uh, opportunity for the rich and basically white. Not every white person is rich, I'm not saying that. And not every policeman is, is, is a racist. But we have to come to grips with what we're doing. I've been to countries where policemen don't even wear guns. So, so that's something to be said. And we in, here in Chicago, we shoot 50 and 60 people a week. We kill six and seven people a week in murder. So, and you go to Denmark, you know, you go to Norway, and uh, you don't have that type of situation based on the color of one's skin. Now, when you get to the color of one's skin, what is that, what is that all about? Mm -hmm. It is just really an adaptation to the climate the individual can. Anything other than that is total ignorance. It is total, I, if you're ignorant, if you're a racist person, you're an ignorant person. I have no no sympathy for that. Get a book and read what race is all about. If you go to the North Pole, you see a polar bear. Why? Why? That's just an environment. You go to the deep jungle and you see darker animals. Why? Because that's their environment. They were born from that environment. Everybody came from somewhere. Nobody picks their parents. Number one, this is one of the main things about racism. Nobody picked their parents. You don't. You came into the world and you were here. You said the doctor spanked you and you opened your eyes and took the air in, and now you're here. You could have been Asian, you could have been black, you can be white, you can be. Because everything has a color. There's no. There's no clear people. There's no clear animals. Maybe a jellyfish got you kind of see some of them, but human beings. There's no clear human being. No such thing. So you're coming from a place of ignorance. You haven't read, that tells me, if you use uh, words to slander your fellow man, that tells me you're ignorant. Uh, that's the only thing I can say. Pick up a book, read it, go on the internet, and then see what you see on it. Uh, basically, in America, uh, a lot of the history of other people that have been totally erased. Yeah. Why, uh I used to wonder, I was a kid, and I, you know, I, like the Lone Ranger. And in reading, I came to find out that Lone Ranger was based on Bass Reed, the African-American back in, in the time. You know, Hyo Silver and the White Horse, that was based on a black man, okay? Uh, in World War II, uh, some of the black units, the Tuskegee Airmen, had one of the most distinguished records in the air of any unit. But 20 or 30 years before that, black people, they said they couldn't fly airplanes. Uh, so Betty Boop, cartoon character, Betty Boop, I'm giving you things that people don't know, uh, was black. The original Betty Boop was black. They painted her white. So America has been whitewashed and, and whitewashed. The people in America have been uh -huh. whitewashed to a big degree. That doesn't make me dislike white people or I don't have any racial animosity toward them. I have racial animosity toward the things that they have done to deny other human beings the right to be a human being. 
So where are we now with uh, George Floyd, with the rioting, with the defund the police? Um, what's your opinion on that and the critical race card being taught at schools? What's in your heart about all that? I, I feel that those are creating more tension instead of healing. Um, okay, my opinion, the systems in America are broken. I'm, I'm naming the educational system broken, the mm -hmm. medical system broken, the justice system broken. Mm -hmm. And I go on and enumerate others that are broken. Mm -hmm. But the, the way the way people are paid broken. So it's one after another. An unjust system cannot render justice. If the system is, is uh, unjust from the very beginning for racist motive or greed, then you're only going to get racist motive and decisions on the other end. You're only going to get the same. If, if, if I'm racist, I'm going to make racist decisions. As simple as that. If I'm greedy, I'm going to make a greedy decision. You can't get a just decision from an unjust system. And that the hospital system, the same thing. In Denmark, Norway, England, Canada, people have health and care insurance. You get sick, I don't care who you are, you got insurance. Not here in America. Okay, these are just, I mean, these are facts. And if anybody wants to dispute them, I, I tell them to look in the book and they'll find just what I feel. Um, you, the educational system, why should I go to school in oh, 70,000 or 50,000 or 20,000 when I get out? That education should be free. It should be part of our tax infrastructure. Just like buying tanks and airplanes and, and all the other military hardware we buy. But, but we sell our young people who are future with a, a, a debt, but it should be buying houses and cars and making the economy grow. They're trying to pay our college debt. So bad system, we put it in lots more black and brown people in jail and incarcerating and that costs money it costs you know forty thousand dollars a year or something to keep a prison in jail why not put that forty thousand into something to employ that person for the better of society Broad, bad system that evidently they're in jail for two reasons uh one is that they have made i'm not saying people don't break the law but all people break the law and we have a way of doing it in America where we say, if you're black and brown, you can be on a five o'clock news with your picture plastic. White people don't get that. They're not held accountable. Accountability stinks in America. Police officers are not held accountable. They're, a good police officer is worth his weight in gold. A bad police officer is the most despicable thing on earth. So, I mean, it's not that I don't like police, is that I don't like some of the things the police did. It's not that I don't like white people. I don't. I, I detest some of the things they've done. So you have to separate, be able to separate the person and the individual from the crime. Uh, you don't blame whole racial groups. I never blame whole racial groups. That's not right. There's good people and bad people in every race, but. I can't look overlook slavery and say, oh, those people are all right. As a group, they didn't stand up. If, if I'm doing something bad in the group that uh, I'm in a group, then you got to have people to stand against that to make that go away. You know, I, I didn't see a lot of uh, abolitionists 
slave master for, or people to speak out in that day and that time. Now we're in an inflection point where people are speaking out. And America's coming to the point where it has to recognize this sin. Uh, you, you can't say that the, well, we got here by just accident. Slavery was abominable. It was a thing that should have never been done. Okay, it was done. Uh, Jim Crow should have never been the way it was. Because the one thing that I always felt that would straighten everything out is that, guess what? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't do to me what you would not want done to you. Would Would you want uh, a black officer to go into a white neighborhood and kill, uh, shoot black, uh, white young white boys in the back? No, you wouldn't want that. So we have to really look at who we are. We're not who we say we are. And I hear we all, all the time people say, well, this is not who we are. Yes, it is who we are. And quit saying that. That's just another excuse over the top of another excuse. And when will we heal? You will heal when you let the scab heal without pulling another scab off. If you have a sore, you can't keep pulling the scab off. It's gonna stay, it's never gonna heal. That's where we are as a nation. We'll heal when people stop doing the things they're doing that are destructive to our character and character. Now, whether we'll be a, a, a democracy, 20 years from now, I don't know. 10 years from now, I don't know. Are, are we in democracy right now, truthfully? Well, we're uh, a democracy with a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. Say one thing, do another. You know, yeah, it, they, it, they say it's democratic, but it's not. I, I, I don't see it anymore. No, it, it is not. And I think with uh, the way the, the political structure is right now today, mm -hmm. I think we need a third party. We need to change the whole, we need to take a look at the structure of America. You got one party doing one thing and another party trying to negotiate with the other party that don't want to negotiate. Where do you get from that? And do we want to be communist Russia? Or do we want to be Chinese? Do we want our leader to be a president chief in China? Or Putin in Russia? Or Erdogan in Turkey? What do we want our country to be like? Because we can't coast off of the past. We've done that, okay? Now the future is what we got to take a look at. Uh, we got to take a look at it on many levels. Uh, we got to take a look at the environment. We got to take a look at our racial strife that we have in the country. Uh, how do you build a society that goes on and be just and fair to all its people? Russia is not fair to all its people. Russia uh, is a, a communist country. China is not fair to all its people. Turkey is not, you know, you can go there, but now is what their leader wants and not what the people want. And the further you get away from the people, the less and less and less you be a democracy. Now, the vote, if we take, if we lose the vote, we lose democracy. It's simple as that. You know, and I don't know where the people that are in government, many of them, and I'm not pushing one party over the other. I'm looking at what one party does versus the other. One is looking for people to go to vote, and the other one's looking for ways to keep people from voting. If you're looking for it to keep People from voting, you are not a person that loves democracy. There's no way you can say that. It doesn't fit. Now, the big fear is, and why we where we are today, is back to race again. 
we're there because America is becoming brown. The world is becoming brown. White people are being more and more a minority. They're afraid. They're, this is the lashing out of people who are afraid. If you outvote me, then you have power to run the government. It's all about power at this point. So you have to understand the dynamics at work uh, in a country that that where we're going depends on what white males, quote, quote, see as is, is being damaging to their power to run able to run the government and to have the control that they've had for you know, hundred well, 400 years, we go back to 1619. But let's just go just recently, the, the, the time that the country has been a country, and uh, that's 200 some odd years. Uh, you know, white males have been in control. They've been dominant. And now that power is challenged. Now, how it changes, it will change. They have no, it, it, we, it, we would not be a minority majority country. We, you know, it's not like white people could always say, we, we're the majority and the majority rule. That's going out the window. That day and age is gone. Worldwide, I don't have to go for it to see black people and brown people and Asian people running the world. I don't have to go for it. When I travel, I don't see all Europeans. They're a minority, but they have the vast amount of power. And they depend on, basically, we depend on guns and, and, and weaponry to keep that control. But the day will come that it just will change. Things yeah. don't stay the same. Change is always in the air. And I think we're going through that inflection point where right. white men really feel that they're getting they're under pressure now. This is changing. Women are voting. You know, in this country, I'm not just black and brown. Women didn't get to vote in 1920, if, I, if my historical record is right. Uh -huh. So, you know, they oppression, and you have to put it at the foot of white male. And we got to quit going around, you know, saying this is not them and just making people feel good. No, it's not a, this is not a feel good subject. Oppression is never a good subject. And the person needs to feel that he's wrong, that she's wrong. If I do something to you, then you should feel a certain way about me. And you should feel that I'm not fair. You would be, if I do something wrong to you, you're gonna resent me. Oppression, resentment. Oppression, resentment. And we've had that gone on for, well, 400 years in America. You think that the slave didn't resent the slave master? Sure they did. This is not, you know, we say things that make us feel good. We watch over the truth. Because the truth is always the truth. Being a historian, historically, what you do today is what you did today. Now, you can say you didn't do it. You can try to cover over it if you're ashamed of it. But you did whatever you did. Slavery was not pretty. It's what we did. And so we got to deal with it. And until we deal with it, we're going to have problems. And these are the problems that led to George Floyd and all the other people who were killed, incarcerated, and just. It's a problem. It's a white male problem. Look in the mirror. See yourself. Don't say you're not what you are because what you are is what you are. That's not racist. Don't kill a messenger. I'm just saying what history has shown me. Mm -hmm. You know, as I trail through this life, I, you know, I'm not a person that lies to myself. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I'm hearing different levels of solution. First, the, you mentioned the system and also some self-responsibility, like really look at yourself. We need a, a, a system that works. And Indeed. we also need, as a person, as a human being, we need to take individual responsibility. Is the, Am I hearing you correctly on that? Okay, well, what I'm saying is systems can be fixed. Just the system can be fixed. Mm -hmm. How? You have the ability, the way you fix it is, number one, when you have a trial and it is a minority person, don't have all white people trying that individual. That's wrong. I have never seen too much of a white person being tried by all minority jurors. Think about it. You don't see that. That's wrong. That's racist. As simple as that. If you got an all white jury and you're trying a black person, the whole thing is wrong from the jump. Mm -hmm. The jury of our peers, and I don't care how I feel about having cancer, I don't know how a cancer patient feels because I don't have it. So it's the same thing with individuals. I have more of a connection with people that look like me. Everybody does that. White people don't want a situation where you, they walk into a courtroom and they look at all black and brown people. So why do you think I want to look at that situation? Women, you know, if, if there's a woman, a trial of a woman, there should be majority women on that trial. And so that's one where you start to look at your systems and change yourself. You change your healthcare system by what? By doing what other countries do. One number one, you put pool the money and you make a, a, a federal situation where people all have healthcare. And we have to change that the way we do it now. The way we do it now, you go to the hospital, nobody comes into the hospital and says, hey, I just want a little sickness so I can rip the government off. That doesn't happen. Nobody wants to be sick. So what is this, this business with uh, private companies have in part? No private company should ever insure health. You can insure cars, you can insure property, you can insure everything else. Health, you do not insure that changes that demand. People should be insured by the government. The right to health should be a human right. Simple as that. So I'm trying to give you ways I see that you can straighten things out tomorrow if you just want commitment. It's not that we can't straighten it out. Certain people get certain advantages by keeping the system the way it is. They, they fight tooth and nail. We're going through that in Congress right now. Tooth and nail to keep corrupt, uh, unjust, uh, totally antiquated system in place. Mm -hmm. And we have to start to look at why. Why do we want to keep the system in place that we see it doesn't work? We keep saying, well, we need more policemen. Well, if more policemen work, we wouldn't have the problem with that. No, I think we need to take part of the budget from the police department and put it in, in mental health, put it in education. The way you get citizens that are informed, I'll give them good education. If you got a poor education, you're not probably going to be very well informed. So these are the fixes that I see. I, you know, I've traveled enough to know now that other countries have a lot of problems too. Because most of the problem, um, human problem, is not an American problem. It's a human problem, the way we perceive each other. We want to disrespect our neighbor and then have our neighbor respect us. That don't work. It does not work. 
you disrespect me, I got some resentment towards you. Now, I might not say it, but it's there, believe me. And uh, that's, that's every group of people. You know, yeah. look, look what's going on in Myanmar right now. Yeah, but it, know, it's not necessarily racist, right? Or is it? It can be economic. It can be racist. It can be based in uh, sexuality, your, se mm -hmm. your sexuality orientation. It can be right. based on a lot, of things. a lot of discrimination, right? Yeah, that's, Guess that's so true. Guess, mm -hmm. what? Guess what? We hear the things that I say. We're all human. Mm -hmm. all, we do I, three things. I love all, that you're saying that. Yes. We're all born. We all live. We all die. There's nobody that mm -hmm. That's human. That, that's it. And so all this stuff between birth and death is crazy if you don't respect other people. Why not? You're not going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just, I'm just to the, the bottom of a common way of thinking. I shouldn't disrespect you, and you shouldn't disrespect me. And a lot of it is built on disrespect. You couldn't be a slave master and respect a person, uh, humanity. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. It's impossible. The minute that you do something that's wrong to another individual that you wouldn't want done to you, there's a problem with you. The problem is not with the minorities in America or the minorities all over the world. You know, we got to think, like I said, Myanmar, just threw that in because they're going through a crisis, you know, over there. And they, they've gone through this thing with the military and the, just the, and in Venezuela, we got problems. I mean, I can take you around the world and give you a world problem. They had a coup not too long ago in Turkey with Anawan. So, uh, you know, you, you have to say it, it's a human thing to want to disrespect somebody or a group of people and then expect respect in return. It don't happen. And, and it would always lead to war. It would always lead to conflict. It would always do. It was never. There was only 20 years between World War One and World War II. That means we didn't learn too much uh, in the... In the in World War One, same thing all over again. History do you think we're, do you think we're in a kind of war right now? Sure, we are on many levels. We so many levels. Economic. We're in an mm -hmm. economic thing. We got people who have billions of dollars. I mean, billions upon billions, and other people sleeping on the street. That's yeah. a war. There's something wrong with systems that produce that type of result. Something inherently wrong. I'm not talking about race. We're talking about economics. Uh -huh. We got a few companies that pretty much own the whole country. Uh -huh. And they get more and more. We used to have a thing called antitrust law where a company could not own but so much. If you merge this thing, you had to get rid of that thing. But now it's just card blunt and it's like Monopoly. If you ever played the game Monopoly. You got yeah. so much money, you can buy anything you want to buy. And so now you get control. And once you get control, you dictate what the terms are. I have control of the prices at that point. And you having control of the prices will make a crisis. Now, that, that, that may not sound, I mean, that goes into something, a theory, but. Uh, I'm no, it's, 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 I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up because it, it's so true. It's not just a, a theory or a rumor or whatever. It is happening right now. There is a war going on right now in the United States and all across the globe. And it's eliminating the middlemen. It's making poor poorer. 
right? Um, and and that's why the topic of the show is how do we return the soul power to the people, right? If if you kill their spirit, if you kill their livelihood, if you, um, you know, it, it's the, you talked about oppression. We are experiencing oppression on so many levels, in our health, in our money, in our relationships, you know. Um, and it's happening right now. And I am agreeing with you that the whole system needs to break down and fall apart and start all over, right? And and that's what I'm getting from you anyway, From unless I'm making that up in my head. <laughs> no, 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 we need to take a look. You heard me say this several times. Take a look at who we are. Yes. I mean, honestly, I mean, not washing well, over, whitewashing. No, not not whitewashing. I I I I'm, I'm tired of the massive deception going on, using different colors to to work the other, uh, leveraging on emotions to create hate against uh, different groups, whether it's race, whether it's economic, like you're saying, um, so many or political, right, or or health uh, tyranny. We're well, experiencing another big one of religion. 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 Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as I studied, when I went to, this is, this is what I studied in school. You know, the difference between kids, how they, how they match up, divide and conquer. Divide and, and conquer. Donald mm -hmm. Hitler did some of the same things that, if I believe, Donald Trump would have done had he been elected, he would be a dictator. He would be like Hitler. The, the government is turning that sort of that way. Democracies are becoming less and less prevalent, and mm -hmm. aristocracies and dictatorships are becoming more and more. Prevalent. And how is the current uh, leadership uh, helping with the racial divide, with the widening gap? I, I think uh, the current administration is doing, they were dealt a hand, and it's not because of Democrat or Republican. They would do the, uh, the hand. If you ever look at how America is, in 08, we had a recession. Mm -hmm. And that was because of what the Republicans had been in for a while. Then the Democrats come in and they kind of make it a little bit more equal for everybody. Then the Republicans get in again and we, that cycle is repeated again. Uh, trickle down, don't trickle nowhere. Trickle down, this thing about the people at the top. Giving up the money to the people that's never gonna work. It hasn't worked. Like they said, something about smoking mirrors, that is smoking mirrors. Yeah. But you have to do what happened in America is a well conceived program where we got rid of the union because the unions were people who the little man could go and he could have some power at the table. Now the unions, we uh, starting in, I think, around 1987, the air traffic control of the Capco, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. They kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they uh, went on strike and that was it. And they stopped union busting ever since then. So unions are where the little people can, in a group, have power. And big companies realize that. It's ridiculous that you don't want to pay somebody $15 an hour in the day's economy. Ridiculous. Totally. And if you don't want to pay somebody $15 an hour, you're a greedy person. Mm -hmm. Now, they, here's, here's the excuse we get. Well, if we pay you $15 an hour, we'll have to go up on the product. But if I'm in a restaurant and the, guy, the vendor 
You sell me hamburger, says the hamburger went up, what do you do? You pay it and set up, keep moving. Why not labor being the same way? So think about that. The excuse we get all the time is prices will rise if you get bigger wages. Prices rise anyway. <laughs> you get bigger, they just go to a different place. Yeah, well, well, wasn't that the promise that the the wage will be $15 an hour? Yeah. But wasn't that the promise of the current uh, leadership? Uh, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to remember. They, they, well, that was, but here's the thing about $15. We'll give you, you'll get the $15 an hour, but it's going to take you four years to get that. Well, by the time you do that, inflation is eight up to $15 an hour. So you're right back where you started. Right. So, think um, and what I love about your story is you didn't allow any of this to fulfill, you know, writing a book or sharing your message. You know, none of these obstacles stopped you from being who you are? Well, you know, no, it didn't stop me. And uh, that's for a reason. Because yeah. I know that I'm going to be on, I'm going to be on planet Earth for X number of years. I don't know how many, okay? Right. Uh, I know that in that time, I will produce whatever I'm going to produce for this world. The knowledge that I have to impart on people I have to leave it while I'm here. Yes. That's what I think. And, yes. and the thing that I, anything that I hear, I've done so many things that I wanted to do because that theory. See, it all started with your philosophy of life. How yeah, that, this it? is the part where we are returning the soul power to the people, right? Because if we are all believing that some external power can hold us back, then we've trapped ourselves in victimization, right? I'm. Correct. I'm, I'm talking as an Asian myself, right? A lot of Asian people have asked me, well, didn't that stop you? Didn't that stop you? Didn't I have no awareness of that because I'm human. I'm talking to you as human. I never, I have two children to feed and, and that was all I needed to know <laughs> is I, I need a roof over their head. I need them to be healthy and I need to feed them. And, and that was it. And I was grateful for anyone who came along the way and uh, lived that journey with me. And I came from the Philippines to Canada to the U.S. Kind of like you, you know, we have different experiences of people being people and not being judged. Or if I was judged, it went from here to here. I, I didn't take it to heart. But what, what, what was your experience? Again, why didn't it hold you back? Number one, my book, The Road for Money. I want to mention that uh, my aunt, I'm not the only one in my family. My aunt went from the cotton field of Mississippi to a millionaire. Mm -hmm. a millionaire. So can wow. you imagine picking cotton in the sun and being close to her? Her parents, my great-grandparents were slaves. So they went from that to she was a millionaire. She traveled, She went to the Great Wall of China when she was 79 years old. Nice. Uh, she traveled the world. Could you? That's the story that I'm not told. It is not told of people successful. We talk we talk about the people who are not successful. If you're a minority, the people that didn't make it, the people who gave up. Man, in my life, I've seen a lot of successful people of all races, all shades, all colors, all genders. Okay. Because they, they had one thing. They believed in something and they did it. They believed number one in themselves. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to for anything, unless you haven't hit the lottery. <laughs> 
and some people do that, but you know, you gotta believe in self first. And the reason I've accomplished the things I've accomplished, they're nothing mighty to me, it's just me living my life. It's me doing the things that I dream of doing, knock on wood. Most of the things that I put my mind to, I've achieved them. You know, I wanted to go to college, I went to college. I wanted to build a house, I built a house. I, I wanted good employment and when I worked with somebody else. And I worked for American Airlines for 12 years. Good job, flight benefits. But it's your mindset. If I think I can't do something, I can't do it. The right. minute I think I can do it, I can get it done. Believe that's a funny thing about life. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe you can do it, you can't do it. It's the minute you say it, a negative thing, I don't think I can do it. Or the reasons why. When you start thinking about reasons why it won't work, it won't work. You think about the reasons why it will work, and you push, it will work. Yeah, That's a right. funny thing about like my life. I don't know about anybody else. Uh-huh. Uh, right now, I'm beginning. I'm left out the movies. You know, I've been in the movies with the just a number of major actors. I'm a background actor, a movie extra if you want to call it that. And uh, I've traveled, I've been in the locker room with Michael Jordan, the locker room, or the Chicago Bears locker room, or the opera house here. Because you do stuff on location. So that, that's very interesting. I don't get rich doing it, but it made my life a little richer. Rich, but, yes. So that, that's the way I think. Uh, now, I'm, believe it or not, I'm writing a book and fixing to start on a board game. I had a rule done. I got two board games in my head that I want to run. So, not just because I want to do it. Right. I believe I can do it. And if I live long enough and stay healthy enough, I'll get it done. Tell me again your The Road to Money, your book. It's a series. It's three books. It's a series. It'll be yeah. a four book series. I got three of them done already. I'm working three. on the book. It's the first one about your aunt. Uh, who became a millionaire from picking cottons? It's all about her. She lived nine the years. First bo- and I couldn't put it in, it would have been a book 500 pages or 1,000 pages if I had to put it all in one book. So uh-huh. I had to split it up into four books. Oh, it's different. all about her. Oh. Uh-huh. And it takes, you through, it takes you through time. It takes you from down south in Mississippi. And Money, Mississippi, was, if, I don't know if you know, Money, Mississippi was a town that Emmett Till uh, was killed. And I don't know if you look it up, Emmett Till was killed there and thrown in the river because they say he whistled at a white woman. He was thrown in the Tallahatchie River, which strode, flows through money, Mississippi. And that was the beginning of the civil rights movement in the year 1955. And uh, it, it uh, number one was before Martin Luther King. It was before Rosa Parks. It was the beginning of the civil rights movement in America. So I thought it was interesting that my folks came from it. My aunt came from Money Mississippi. Small town, just a gas station, like a crossroad deal. It's not big. Very few people there now. But that's where they, because they chopped cotton. They were, uh, uh, well, you see, on the land, they worked the land. Um, Jim Crow, during the Jim Crow period. They were sharecroppers. And she went from that, she came to Chicago in a great migration of black people from the South to the North. And uh, that's a historical event. And she came in the year 1937 to Chicago. 
she got a lot of breaks because her husband that she married, uh, now of a sudden, he could pass away. So he went places that African-Americans couldn't go at that day and time. So you got to think 1950, a black woman owning two or three apartment buildings was quite unusual. But he was able to purchase those properties. Wow. So it, you know, so she took that advantage. But he died, and he died uh, in nineteen fifty-five. The year the Emmett was killed, they got married in nineteen forty. So now you got the music. I put the music in the book. Jazz, nightclub, uh, to spice it up. Down south, it wasn't all bad. I put the jute joint in the, the places up in the woods where only the, the people that chopped cotton knew where they were. Uh, uh, Prohibition, Great Dust Bowl. I rolled across American history. I, you know, it, it, it comes to life to me. Uh, then she was in Chicago. And then she went to Haiti. She took a trip to Haiti. She went to Miami. She flew. First flight. I got that in the, in the book. Her first uh -huh. flight. How did you... Sorry. How did you get all this uh, story from? Did she dictate it to you? Did she tell you? Did you grow up with her? How 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 my, did all my that? My grandmother, my grandmother, and my aunt and my family. They were they passed on what they did. They want their story to go to that. Most of the family knows their story. I had to write it for my brothers and sisters, although I just removed it. So they knew grandma said so and so. So it's passed on. The, the bitterness, I remember my grandmother telling me that her mother uh, doing slavery had to put peas in her pocket because she couldn't get enough to eat. Those stories are passed. You do things, they stay. You know, they, now this is way back when, but now I know that story is something that was done that was wrong way back there. That the evil does not dis disappear and go up in smoke. Evil lays like a veil over the land. That's too average that. Well, I'm an Oscar, so I get into that. But uh, basically, you know, we, we have to see humans as human. You know what race I am? I'm part of the human race, homo sapiens. Uh -huh. That's race I am, first of all. Then the subset is African American, a male. But uh -huh. human is first. And too many of us put things backwards. The race is first. Human somewhere down the line. And that's always backwards. No, and, that, and that's what I love when, when you describe the, the storyline of your book and it makes me wanna pick, up, pick it up and educate myself, you know, through your eyes, through your story. And it's more personalized too. Now I, I know, you know, I can feel you, your heart in it rather than just some book that I, you know, randomly pick up. There's, well, there's, it's, it's, it's alive right now, just after you've talked about it. Um, I'm really uh, curious. It's not, it's not uh, anyone that has read that book. Hey, when are you going to finish the next copy? That's what I mean. You know, they think, I said, I can't do it in a week, you know, but uh, people are really, when they get into it, if I can get yeah. you to read it, you, you read book after book because I think it has, it's a miracle. It's an American story. It's not just African American. It's talking about what happened in America during a certain period of time. So yeah. it took you through, you know, the 1940s. She worked in uh, the defense plant here in Chicago, and mm. she was Rosie the Riveter, World War II. 
So, you know, and, and then the, the music took the A-train, you know, during that period of time. And get above the dancing on the dance floor. Then I take you to the 50s, the Korean War. And then the next the Vietnam War. So I'm covering America as I do it. Yeah, and that's what I love about it. And and I'm sure you picked up um, a little bit of what you know from the history that you've studied over the years and and put it all in one package. It's a, a package from past, my grandmother passed it to me, the historical facts. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a historian, so I get a lot of the facts that uh-huh. more modern that they didn't know. And so then in the, in the last two books, I'm in the last two books. My actual, because I was born and, I, you know, now I'm part of the, the last book. So nice. from that, matter of fact, my birth is in, I think, the second book. Mm. So when I was born in 1943. So from 1943 until now, well, she died in 2009. So the series ended in 2009. Is it on Audible? It's on Amazon. You can get it at boydbooks.net. You can get it on the same website I get your Yeah, but but is is it... Um... No, I don't have it on Audible, but it is on Amazon mm-hmm. and it is on my website. You can okay, it on my website. cool. Yeah, All right. Those books that I purchased on my website, I signed them. Okay, I'll be including uh, your links uh, in your page on my website, and and every time I uh, share this interview. So, final word: um, if you can wrap up everything we talked about in this hour, and just give the audience your last words on this. What is your important message to them to take away? My important message is be careful who you give power. Be careful how you use your vote. Be aware that everything that looks one way does not have to be the way it looks. Be aware that there are some people who want to deny other people their freedom and their being free to do the things that they should accomplish in the future. So I think that you always have confidence in yourself. No matter where you are and who you are, have confidence in yourself. Without that, you can do nothing. With that, you can do achieve everything. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Sylvester, for being on the show today. I learned a lot from you. Hopefully uh, the listeners too are able to just feel your, you know, your voice in it and really look at uh, the levels of um, distortion that we are experiencing life that we are, uh, that's causing us to give up our power, give away our power and really have that confidence to look at who we really are, you know, as a soul look beyond the color of the skin and really look into what is really going on. Because <laughs> there's there's some agenda out there that is taking away our power. And uh, if we don't take care of ourselves now, the oppression is going to perpetuate for generations to come. If there are more generations to come, um, my children thinks that we are on the way to extinction, but um, that's That's why the podcast is here to inspire you to look within yourself and see what is your gift to bring to the world and together return the soul power to the people. Thank you so much, Sylvester. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed 
this episode of Soul Power to the People podcast with Tess Vergara. We can no longer be the spectators of our own destruction. Take back your mind, take back your voice, take back your soul, take back your power. Join me again next time for the next episode of Soul Power to the People.